Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. The scripture this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And these are the words of Paul as he was talking to the church in Ephesus. And he's talking about Jesus here. He says, He himself granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This morning, we're concluding our Heart Principles series. Uh, We've been going through this for several weeks now. The Heart Principles are something that uh, we we say often at Pierce Chapel, but we've been taking them and looking at them uh, compared to Scripture passages that sort of uh, show us how we can live out those principles, uh, not just uh, in in the way that we think they should be lived, but in a way that that honors God and in a way that that exemplifies what what we believe the... uh, the, a life of faith should look like. Um, and so I hope that this series has been helpful for you during this season. Um, I hope that it will continue to be helpful for you as we move on into other seasons. I hope that it will be something that you can take and apply whenever you have those difficult decisions, whenever you have disagreements with each other, whatever it may be that arises in your life. I hope that we will continue to come back to these principles uh, and, and, and really seek God's will for, for how we can live them out faithfully in our lives. Uh, Before we go any further, one more time, I would like for us to join together in saying the heart principles. Hear and understand me. Even if you disagree, please don't make me wrong. Acknowledge that I'm a beloved child of God. Remember to look for my loving intentions and tell me the truth with compassion. Now, as I've shared with you before, uh, the Heart Principles come from a book called Managing from the Heart. It's a secular book. It was written for corporate America, basically. It was was written by the Atlanta Consulting Group to help businesses um, uh, boost morale 
and, and, and work more efficiently by making their employees feel uh, heard and seen. Uh, but, but as I said, what we're doing is we're looking at how we live these out as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. And even though this was a secular book written for the secular world, that last principle, the one we're talking about today, tell me the truth with compassion, is a very, very biblical principle. And you just heard me say something very similar uh, that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Ephesus when he said, remember to tell each other the truth in love. Now, to back up just a little bit and see why Paul is talking about this in the first place, um, he's telling the people in, in Ephesus how to grow together. How to be unified, but not just for the sake of unity, but for becoming, for the sake of becoming the church God is calling them to be. And he's saying, recognize amongst yourself there's people that have gifts, there are people in leadership, there are people who are trying to pull you together to, to help you grow. But he's saying, in order for you to do that, you, you also have to realize that you're supposed to grow. He uses the word maturity. He says that is the goal of the church, to mature to grow up in Christ, not to remain as infants, not to remain weak in your understanding, but to continue to develop and continue to grow and to do that together. And in order for you to do that, in order for you to grow up in maturity in Christ, then you have to speak the truth to one another in love. Now, this, is, this should sound very familiar to us, not just because of the heart principles but also our mission statement that we say at the beginning of, of every service that our goal is to develop mature disciples who know, love, and serve Jesus Christ, meaning we're not content to just stay in one place and say everything's fine. Our goal is to grow and to grow together. But Paul says a big part of that is going to be speak the truth to each other and speak it in love. That's a two-part statement. And both parts are extremely important. Love has to be tempered with truth. And truth has to be tempered with love. If you only spoke the truth and there was no love in it, you would sound like an angry person just always ready to shout about how right you are. And you would alienate people. If you only spoke of love but you had no pursuit of truth or what God's truth for your life might look like, then that, that feeling of love can, can take you into some weird places. And that's what Paul warns about here. He says, don't be tossed to and fro, uh, guided by every wind of doctrine, everything that sounds good to you at the time, everything that people are telling you is acceptable. You, you, could, you could get lost chasing after that. Pursue the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Pursue the will of God, which is the truth for your life. Pursue the truth of his salvation and proclaim it. But do it with love because they balance each other out. There's a popular Christmas song, Joy to the World. that says, he rules the world with truth and grace. Not just one or the other. Our God rules the world with both truth and grace and grace. There is a holiness, a standard that he is hoping that we will, we will adhere to, that we will pursue, that we will try to live into. And that's his truth. But at the same time, there is also 
grace, there is mercy, there is love, there is invitation, there is healing. And he rules the world with both of these things because truth must always be tempered with love. I've shared with you all before that my favorite passage of Scripture is 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now there's a temptation to oversimplify that. Oh, God is love. We can just boil down all the scripture into that one statement and just anything that we feel, any affection we feel for somebody, that's God. There's a lot more to it than that. When we say God is love, we are not trying to reduce God down to the idea that our human notions, our limited notions of love are in themselves God. When we say God is love, what we are saying is the truest, purest form of love that we can't even wrap our minds around. That is found completely in God and in God alone. And God is the source of love that we should be pursuing. But John doesn't just say that. In 1 John, he he says that God is love. But a few chapters earlier, at the beginning of the letter, he also says God is truth. He says in him there is no deceit. In him there is no darkness. So John is making two statements in his letter. God is truth. And God is love. And these are both very important statements because even in the heart principles, we acknowledge there is a truth. We say, acknowledge that I'm a beloved child of God. Even if you disagree, please don't make me wrong. And if you've read the book or if you remember me talking about the book, it's a fictional story. The man is visited by a spirit who says, uh, you, you know, you made this, this woman who works for you, you made her wrong the other day. You lashed out at her. And he said, but she was wrong. And she said, her idea was wrong. Her thought process was wrong. What she was saying was wrong, but you invalidated her as a person. You made her wrong. That's the difference. But it remains that there was a right and a wrong. Just like even the heart principles tell tell us there is a truth and a mistruth. And when we proclaim the truth, we have to do it with love. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we come to the truth through him. We come to the truth about what God is, is, is directing our lives towards, his plan of salvation for us. We come to that through Jesus Christ. And we come to that because he has invited us with his radical, ever-reaching, all-encompassing love. Now, John didn't just say this because he, he wanted to talk about it. He was an eyewitness. And he says that in his letter. He said, I was an eyewitness to these things. I heard Jesus himself say this. And in the Gospel of John, a different book, we see in chapter 15, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another. In other words, it's not a choice. We have to love each other. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to love each other, whether we feel like it or not. We are commanded to do so because whoever does not love does not know God. 
for God is love. Now, I shared with the children the, uh, the cross, the Irish cross, what that means. And one of the things that you may have heard me say is that the, uh, the vertical line represents the, the relationship between us and, and, uh, and God. And the horizontal line represents us and each other. This is summed up in what Jesus said. The two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But those two things go together just like truth and grace, truth and compassion. You see, we live with two different types of relationships if if we are believers and, and followers of Jesus Christ. The first is vertical. This is our relationship with God. We are trying to know God. We are trying to ascend to where God is, and of course we can't do that on our own. It only comes to us by grace, but we do this through relationship. We want to know God, and so we have this very vertical us and God relationship where we know more about him, and the more we know about him, the more his love is born in us. But that's step one. We also have a horizontal way of living with each other. This is how we love each other. This is how we serve each other. This is how we look on people in need. This is how we look at people who are broken and hurt and and, and minister to them. This is how we consider uh, those who are marginalized in our community, in our society, and how we want to reach out and minister to them. This is how we consider those who are suffering from addictions and how we, we witness to them through it. But we do it with love and with service. But we have to do this while also loving God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because the two lay on top of each other. We, we live in this overlapped life. And if you look at that, you see it creates the cross. We have a vertical way of living with God, to know God, and then a way of loving and serving each other, our neighbor, our community. And you can't do one without the other. If you know and love God like you should, it's going to lead you to reach out to others. But you can't just reach out to others and love others unless you truly know God and how his love works, what it is like. And that is being rooted in the truth. That is being grounded in the truth of who we are and who he is shaping us to be. If you look there, you see know, love, and serve. Part of who we are at Pierce Chapel, we put it in our mission statement. We put it on our T-shirts. We put it on the signs. Know, love, and serve. But the know is the why behind the what. We know God. We pursue his truth. We pursue his plan for us so that we can love, so that we can serve in the way that he is calling us to do. And that's what Paul is urging the the church in in Ephesus. He's saying this is called maturity. This is growing up together in your faith, pursuing the the truth that is found in God, the, the truth that is found in Jesus Christ, and standing in that truth firm, but also loving radically, proclaiming that truth with love in your heart and not with anger. C.S. Lewis talked about uh, the, um, the, the children of Israel who had the prophets and the law. And he said all of that pointed to Jesus. But he had uh, a theory about what about the, all the other nations 
you know, who didn't have the law and the prophets? How, how, did, how were they prepared to receive Jesus? And he said that he felt like their own mythologies, their own, their own words, their own uh, stories, their own symbols, all sort of pointed them and prepared them for Jesus Christ when they would experience that. And one example is that cross that I shared with the children in, in the, the children's sermon. You see, long before St. Patrick, long before Christianity, Christianity came to Ireland, the Druids embraced the symbol of the cross as that intersection between the divine and the humane. What was spiritual and what was physical and how they intersect. And even in that symbology, they were preparing themselves for the truth and how to live that truth out in the world and for the sake of others. This is what Jesus did for us when he came to the cross. And during the season of Lent, we prepare ourselves. We say it's a journey to the cross. It is. We're looking forward to Easter. We're Easter people. We're resurrection people. We have hope in our lives, hope in our hearts, and we are holding on to that. But we know before we get there, we've got to go to the cross. We've got a journey to make. There are some things that we have to confront within ourselves. And we have to die to those things so that he can give us life. You may have seen the image, the picture of Jesus on the cross with his arms out wide. And it says, God loved you this much. It's a powerful image to show that the cross truly is God's invitation to embrace us, all of us. But there's something else about that cross that's very important. It's immovable. It's in a fixed place. And so God cannot be moved. God cannot be changed. God is not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. God has righteousness and holiness in its perfect state, which we can only hope to pursue. But God is firm in where he is. But even in that place of truth, he is reaching out in love as wide as he possibly can. The church is called to do the same thing. Unfortunately, we make one of two mistakes. And the church throughout the ages has been very bad about doing one of these two things. I know the truth. I know what I believe. I'm not moving. And everybody else is wrong. And you stand there with your arms folded. Sometimes even worse, we stand there in our fixed position. I know what God has told me. I know what God has revealed to me. And I'm right. Want to fight about it? (laughs) The other mistake that we can make is we want to open our arms wide, which we should. And we want to embrace and we want to love everybody. But we run around like this. Come here. Come here. Let me love you. Let me embrace you wherever you are. And we're not called to do that either. In the story of the prodigal son, the father embraced his son when he came home, wept over him, loved him, celebrated, my son is here, he's back. But one thing the father didn't do was go with his son into sin and live there and say, okay, whatever, I'm just here with you. Jesus reaches out to us in love and in grace, but he does so while also standing in the truth. And he doesn't 
wrap us up in his love so that we can stay where we are. He wraps us up in his love so that he can bring us to where he is. And it must be the same for the church. We have to find a way to stand on Christ, the solid rock, because all other ground is sinking sand. And you can say, well, I can, I can take a stand. I can, I can find where I stand with my, my salvation, with who Jesus is and all that. But um, it, it's hard for me to, to be here rooted in what I believe God has called me into, into the truth he has called me into, and still adequately love others. Well, guess what? You can open your arms out wider. Continue to reach out. Continue to love radically because no matter where you have been and no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, Jesus Christ has reached out far and wide to reach you and to bring you back to himself. Now, I want to be clear about this as we were talking about standing in the truth. I'm, I'm not talking about uh, little uh, misinterpretations, th- different interpretations of Scripture, how we disagree with things, controversies that can divide us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what is fundamental to who God is, to who Christ is, to what salvation is, to what He is trying to do in our lives to perfect us, maturity, grow us into discipleship. That truth is the truth we should be pursuing and trying to stand in, even as we radically reach out to others who don't have their feet on the solid rock, but we long for them too. How did you come to the truth that is in Christ Jesus? How did you have your life changed? What were you rescued from? It wasn't because you made some journey on your own. It was because God, from where he is, in all his righteousness and glory and holiness, reached out to you. It is because Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, stood there fixed in that place on that cross and spread his arms out as wide as he possibly could to reach you. So may we also find ourselves standing in the truth that is Jesus while also reaching out and loving. And when we find it hard to love, continue to reach out even further because that's what we're commanded to do. And when we do speak the truth, it's an invitation. It is a loving invitation. We are speaking the truth with compassion because we are inviting others to experience the life that can only be given through Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for reaching out to us in all the ways that we stray, all the ways that we have found ourselves fleeing and flocking towards darkness and shadows. We thank you that you reach your loving hand out to us no matter where we've been. But we also thank you for being a God who doesn't change with our whims. We thank you for being a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we wrestle with the notion of what that means and what it means to be in your truth. But Lord, we just ask that no matter how it is we are pursuing your truth, that we, can see, we continue to pursue it. And we continue to love each other with the same love that you have shown to us.
Help us to stand at that intersection between loving God with our whole heart and loving our neighbor as ourself because our religion is worthless if we don't love our neighbor as ourself. And loving our neighbor as ourself is worthless if it is not informed by you and the work you are longing to do in us. You rule the world with truth and grace, Lord. So rule our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace, the power, and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love. Go to serve. Go in peace. Amen.